Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made, my name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the month of February. Mm-hmm. Right? Are we in February? We are. <laughs> yes. We're in the month of February, Vincent. And in February, um, we're taking a, a break from usually because this is considered Black History Month. Yes. We usually talk about Black Westerns. Yes, we do. Um, but we are going to be talking about romantic films. Le This February, ladies and gentlemen, and that is all to coincide with a very special event that we have coming for you at the end of the month that we will talk about in a little bit. But before then, I welcome you to join us as we kick things off with a film from 2021, starring Mahershala Ali and Naomi Harris and Glenn Close mm-hmm. in a film written and directed by Benjamin Cleary called Swan Song. Mm-hmm. Vincent's selection for tonight's stop on the Michelle Mission. Yes. Vincent, how are you doing? My I friend? am fine. I'm moving some stuff I can't see. You know, the secret, the secret <laughs> sauce is that we look at each other. Yes. While we're... so. Like I looked up and it was like stuff. It's a bunch of bunch of stuff. But cameras I'm, and lights. But and yeah, stuff. but I'm good. I'm I'm good. How are you? Welcome back. Oh, I am doing Welcome great. Welcome back. I'm doing great. Um, from my uh trip to New Orleans last, yeah. last week. I got actual beignets from a place called Stuff Beignets and Burgers. Very nice. Oh my god, Vincent. They had the like the 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 pastry sweet mm-hmm. beignets. Um, and they had savory beignets. Oh, very nice. So I got like a, a grilled shrimp and crab meat beignet. Uh, my friend Devin got he he got a Philly cheesesteak beignet. Okay. Um, and a grilled chicken beignet. Okay, very uh, nice. Then we got the a lemon cream ben- beignet, which is, which they make special for um. For because it was the time of Mardi Gras, as well as a king cake beignet. Okay, all right. Oh my god, they were so good. Very nice. So good. Glad you enjoyed the beignets. Oh, so good. Ben yay. Yes, Ben yay. So you and and it, you would love this place, Vincent. Okay, because not only is it a restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's so, the, first of all, it's black owned. All right, like that. Is and and it's not in the French Quarter. Okay, it's, it's in the heart, in the real heart of New Orleans. Okay, New Orleans. all right, very nice. Um, and when you walk in there, it's very nice. It's it's but it's it's definitely has a homey uh a homey feel to it. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge bar. Okay, making great great drinks. All right, so, excellent. We had a. Good old time. Sounds like a good time. Lemonade. Uh, I got the homemade. Um, I got homemade. I got just a regular homemade lemonade. My friend Chris got homemade strawberry lemonade. Nice. Oh, so good. It was the best food I had while I was there. That's saying something. It was the absolute best food. I would go back to New Orleans just to go back to stuffed beignets and burgers. Well, shout out to stuffed beignets and burgers. Yes. Oh, my God. Let's get into it, to Vincent. We, All right. We got a stuffed show. Stuffed show. We got a very stuffed show. We got a packed show, and we're going to kick things off like we always do with listener mail. Ah, uh, missives from the missionaries. That's right. 
Um, let's take them in order. We got an uh, email from Shanta Williams. Hey, Shanta. In regards to our review of a thin line between love and hate. All right. From last week. I didn't realize until this review that this was Martin Lawrence's project. So now him in the lead role is somewhat clear. Okay. Because Martin is attractive, but he's not playing all these women attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Right, 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 right. And this is coming from experience. I've been played before and they were definitely better looking than him. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, I Shanta got stories. She got stories. <laughs> Shanta got stories. She got a thousand yard stare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to have to meet her in the streets. Uh huh. Um, she continues. I do see him as the guy who is charismatic enough to know all these women on a club promoter tip. Okay, but they, um, but they aren't taking him seriously on a romantic tip. See, that was out. That was right. 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 Think. Well, at least. I'm not going to say all the women that you see him bouncing around mm-hmm. because they, some of them are definitely played that they might, you know, not be playing with a full deck themselves. Right. Right. But the, um, Lynn Whitfield and Regina King characters, mm-hmm. they definitely as are played. And when you're introduced to them as people who would not fall for his shtick. Right. And I will say something that we didn't touch on that I'm glad Shanta said not to step on any toes. He very much reminds me of several club promoters slash oh, yeah. party promoters mm-hmm. that I've mm-hmm. known in my life. Yeah, but yeah, most definitely. Do with that what you will. But that's <laughs> that that is true. That is one like him as true. a party promoter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very true. Uh she continues, and Miss Whitfield, speaking mm-hmm. of Lynn Whitfield, is definitely too mature to be talking to him. Yeah. I enjoyed this episode as I Googled the recipes for New Orleans hurricane drinks. <laughs> Be safe and responsible, Shanta. Be safe and responsible. Longtime fan. Uh, uh, Tay has spoken. <laughs> so Shantae Williams. Shantae, I'm sorry. Shantae, that, that, that's my uh, <laughs> fault. Shantae has spoken, ladies and gentlemen. All Those right. hurricanes were good. Hey, man. Those were good, man. Hey, man. Now, I'm going to let you know. When we got off the air, I got about two more. All right. I All was, right. I was enjoying myself. I'm glad. I'm. Look, you're, you're here. You're back. You're safe. So things went well. There you go. We also got an email from Craig Amerson. Hey, what's up, Craig? Craig Amerson writes, hello, Vincent and Len. I've been a listener of the podcast for years, and you both have brought me many laughs and a richer insight to how films can be analyzed. Well, thank you, sir. I'm probably a little younger than your average viewer. So most of my exposure to classic black cinema has been through the podcast. Oh, okay. I knew knew of Melvin Van Peoples, but hadn't watched any of his films before your reviews. I'm not going to lie. I left Sweetback feeling a little confused. (laughs) You ain't the only one. (laughs) You have a friend in Lynn. (laughs) When I saw HBO Max had his follow-up film, Don't Play Us Cheap, available, yeah. I decided to check it out. Oh, interesting. What I was wondering if either of you have seen the film. I thought it was wonderful, and it has quickly wow. become my favorite film of his that I've seen. Narrowly beating out Watermelon Man, it would be great to hear your thoughts on the film. Sincerely, Craig. That is really... Have you seen it? 
Have no. you seen Don't Play Me Cheap? No, I wasn't even aware of the film. I got for a Christmas gift, I think, last year or the year before last, that Criterion collection of Melvin, of, Van, Peebles of Melvin Van Peebles films. Mm-hmm. And that's included on there. And I, I, I walk by it literally once a day. So you haven't seen and it say, oh, we should watch it because you know what it is. It's it's the Michelle Mission, um, sort of uh, stutter step mm-hmm. where I say, oh, I need to watch that. Oh wait, 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 we should watch it for the show. And right, then, it's, me too. And then you look up and it's two years later. Right, it's the same here, <laughs> same here. So, so, you, so you're aware of this film? I I own I own the film. I've had the film in my hand, but you've never seen. I've it. never actually watched it, so you don't even know what it's about. I don't know what it's. I they I kind of I'm gonna say no. Okay, I I. Uh, but because of Craig, it's now shortlisted. No, all right. Yeah, in the next two months, I'm going to choose it. All right, sounds good. Yeah. All right, and we have another email. From Ellis Heron. Hey, what's up, Ellis? Hey, fellas. I'm happy to hear you're enjoying some good New Orleans food and drink. All right. I may be from Texas, but my roots are in the Big Easy. All right. You haven't experienced good eating until you've had Thanksgiving New Orleans style. Interesting. When it comes to a thin line between love and hate, I agree that for some reason Martin wanted to make his version of Boomerang. Maybe he figured it was another step he could take to be as big of a movie star as Eddie was. But even though you feel Lynn Whitfield didn't have much to work with in the movie, I dare say that it's more her movie than it's Martin's. Mm -hmm. I was a teenager when this came out, and most of my generation associates her with this movie more than anything else she's done. Lastly, I'm not sure if you've done this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that Netflix documentary, Is That Black Enough for You, um, by Elvis Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your boy, uh, Alice Heron from Fort Worth. P.S. My wife almost made it to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever in the theater, but she gave birth to my new son two days shy of the premiere. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. So now she's getting ready to finally check it out on Disney Plus. Well, look, I think that is that is a good reason to miss it. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, um, that is wonderful. You know, the, speaking about um Lynn Whitfield, I do recognize that this is a lot of people's introduction to her. Sure. Um and quite as kept, I may have known of Lynn Whitfield before this movie, but this is definitely the one that made me remember her name. Mm. Um, you did not see her in Josephine Baker, the Josephine Baker story. I did, but was that before <laughs> this? I don't know, but that's what I always remembered her from. Because I don't, for some reason, I don't think that was before. Maybe it was around the same time. Oof. That's a good question. I know she was in it. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Oof. But you know what? I guess maybe I don't really remember her from that so much because Are I remember. Are you sure you saw it? No, I saw it. Okay. But I probably, first of all, let me look it up. I want to see when that movie, when the Lynn Whitfield movie came out. Because that's a good question. Uh, Lynn Whitfield, Lynn Whitfield movie. The, Jos- the Josephine Baker story. Because I think it was an HBO movie. The Josephine, it was a television movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was earlier because it's... Uh, um, 1991. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess because I definitely saw it, but I probably just took it in as like, oh, that's a pretty woman playing Josephine Baker. So I it, it just wrapped my mind that it's Josephine Baker as opposed to remembering that it's Lynn Whitfield. Whereas I said, 
who is that and what is her name? Well, I okay, <laughs> right, fair enough. I had turned into black dynamite. Who is that and what is her name? <laughs> yes, you did. Yes. Uh, was she in the Women of Brewster place too? Like all jokes aside, she was good in Josephine Baker, but but I think she was she in the Women of Brewster place. I'm going to look up her filmography as we speak. Um, Lynn Whitfield was in. She was. I'm not. Yeah, she wasn't the yeah. woman of Brewster Place. She was good in that too. She was good in that as well. 1989. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so thank you, Ellis. Thank you, Ellis. And once again, congratulations to you and the missus. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Farrell Blackwell says, Vince, I'm with you. I can't remember <laughs> Lynn Whitfield from anything else except the Josephine Baker story. Ooh. And uh, your brother Damon Williams points hey. out, this is an interesting factoid. Seems like Lynn Whitfield should have gotten all the roles that Diane Carroll had either aged out of or didn't want. I can see that. I mean, you know who you you know who took all the air out of Lynn Whitfield, though. Like you know exactly who was getting all the roles that Lynn Whitfield probably could have gotten. So Lynn Whitfield really pops in '91 with Josephine Baker's right. story, right? Um, When's Hurricane Angela Bassett land? When's that touch ground? What yeah, year are we? T- yeah, probably not. Like, yeah, um, maybe maybe right around that time. Right. You know, I love Lynn Whitfield, but come on. To feel like if Angela Bassett is up for the, if Angela Bassett wants it, All right, Lynn Whitfield is sitting somewhere with Blair Underwood. Looking at Denzel Washington, and Angela Bassett eat up everything. Yeah, that that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then seeing the Alfred Woodard bump her out of the line. How about that? So how about that? That's a good point. Then she wants to circle around and like do like just the the super serious kind of small art house film, and like Lorraine Toussaint and CCH Pounder sitting there, like, what, 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 you, what, what you doing? <laughs> you better get out my house. <laughs> what you doing? You better get out my house. What you doing? <laughs> we all trying to make as much money as we can because apparently it's this little thing named Viola Davis coming up behind all of us. Mm-hmm. And you look up and it's 2023. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. And she's too, at that point, even at that point, she's already. Probably not technically too old, but she definitely skews more mature. Right. So right. she she's doesn't get any of the, you know, the, the the girlfriend roles. Right. That Nia Long and Halle Berry are, are right. Crushing right. Lynn Winfield was never was never going to be in that lane. Yeah. Again, I told you the joke I saw last week. She might play evil, but she ain't never play broke. That's true. That's so true. Lynn Whitfield got a little walk-up apartment somewhere in Brooklyn, and Lorenz Tate's going to pick her up. And uh, no, 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 no. Lynn Whitfield is not playing that role. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's, that's that's well. Lynn Whitfield is a secretary and an ingenue, and she trying no. And think about it. She's in this. She's in that movie, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, with someone else who's coming right behind her. Yeah, Regina King. Yeah. Yeah, so. who is very much a chameleon. Yes, Re- Regina King to me feels like she has 
was like the heir apparent to Angela Bassett. Right. Who is also a bit of a chameleon when she needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like my brother really did nail it. Like Lynn Whitfield is in that Diane Carroll school Mm -hmm. where look, this is who I like. uh Uh-uh. Yeah. I don't know how much Lynn Whitfield wears jeans. (laughs) Speaking of black women um, doing things. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you pointed out to me, Vincent, that there was a very interesting essay in the Hollywood Reporter today. Yes, yes, we just as a um, just just as an epilogue to our conversation last week about the Oscars and the snubbing of black directors, including Gina Price, Prince Bythewood. She she wrote a really really good essay mm-hmm. about. Hollywood politics and and the machinations of the Oscars and and what it you know what it means to her and what it's like so I direct everyone to read it it's in the Hollywood port I think it came out today yeah it, yeah, it like came it, out today it, it hit there like around nine something this morning was when it hit the feed yeah there. um yeah it's very interesting and she doesn't she does not spare any fucks no (laughs) look 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 it is what it is the machine is the machine Mm -hmm. so uh it's interesting though to me that that is in the hollywood reporter right right and considering that we're right in the midst of oscar season Mm mm-hmm Having an an essay directly from a director mm-hmm. who is you know right in the midst of the conversation, yeah. Like and and not only are is there conversations going on about the nominees themselves, there's ongoing uh, conversations and controversy about some people who may have fina- how some people finagled their way towards nominations, right? Um, and they, the Hollywood Reporter was lucky to get this A-list. She is now A-list Absolutely. because of the Woman King, because of the old guard on Netflix. I was just about to say, yeah. Uh, she is she is A-list director. Mm-hmm. And they get, get her personal thoughts right there yeah. uh, in the Hollywood Reporter. And God bless the Hollywood Reporter for putting it out there, giving her giving her the space to, to get that off, off her chest. I mean, I guess. But... Um, my bone about that is that I usually look at the Hollywood Reporter at least once a day. Okay. For stories, right? Mm-hmm. And you came in pointing out that story, and I was like, oh, I didn't notice that. Let me go to the Hollywood Reporter because I was in the midst of actually reading the story on there mm-hmm. and like refresh, thinking that maybe it just recently hit. Right. And as I scrolled through the Hollywood Reporter on there, like their front page, that story is not listed there. Okay. Okay. Now maybe, you know, over time it's it's it made it to like the second page or whatever. But my bone with them is that as I go to Hollywood Reporter and I just hit refresh on here, within the the within the first four stories, the fourth one is a story about William Jack Jackson Harper, mm-hmm. uh, who starred in Love Life on HBO, yes. HBO Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And him being upset about that show being pulled from HBO Max. Okay. Because, you know, they've been pulling content. And a thing that The Hollywood Reporter does, and it actually 
gets on my nerves. You'll see a story at the top of their page. And then as you keep scrolling down, you'll see that story again. And the uh, William Jackson story is there, number four, up top. So it's got like, you know, prime real estate, along with a story about uh, Shailene Woodley, um, her show, Finding a New Home at Stars. And both of those stories are repeated again on the front page. Okay. And to me, if you can find the space to repeat those two stories, then you can find the space for this amazing essay by Gina Prince Bythewood to still be on the front page. Right. Right. Uh, I think it's a lot more current and people um, would be more interested in that, um, in her thoughts, as opposed to, you know, reading what one story, which is essentially just uh, a reconfigured press release. And the other one is blowing a big story out of one statement that an actor made. Right. Right. So um, that gets, gets a, it's a pain in my, yeah, 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 my, yeah, yeah. my buttocks. Well, hopefully people find it. Hope, yep. Hopefully people find it. Pe- hopefully people find it. And I am going to uh, pull up that, that story so that I can um, put put a link to it mm-hmm. in the and there might be a link on our page like there I feel a, like I saw it on our page I feel like uh, you did too but yeah. I'm going to put a link in our chat okay right here so that people can um, so that people can check it out Uh and, and they, people on YouTube, they can go and link to it. So okay. I'm going to find a find a link to it, and I'll and I'll throw it in there. All right, excellent, okay. excellent. All right, top five. Who's your top five? Five, ladies and gentlemen, this is where I give Vincent my top five list, and he gives you his scintillating commentary. Ooh, scintillating. It is scintillating. Um, the film that we are reviewing for tonight is Swan Song. Yes. Which is a a, a romantic movie. Yes. A dramatic movie. Yes. But probably just as much. This is a science fiction movie. That that is very much part of of my critique of it. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. So tonight, I am going to give you my top five science fiction romance dramas. Interesting. Okay. You have a fair amount to pull from, surprisingly enough, don't you? You do. Yeah. You do. But um, I tried to stick with films that I thought actually do fit the sci-fi romance drama role. Okay. Because there's a lot of sci-fi romantic type. Right, with a romantic subplot. And, yeah. But you're, you you want to, okay, all right, yeah, excellent. I want where the romance is like, it's, it's head on. All right. All right. All right. It's like this whole episode is a preview for October. Octavia April. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So number five. Number five. The Lobster from 2015. Okay. Have are you a, have you seen the Lobster? I've actually not seen it. The Lobster is now. 
Some would say The Lobster is a bit of a dark comedy Mm -hmm. um, because it definitely has some funny moments in it. But at the heart of it, it is a very, very offbeat romantic movie. Okay. Uh, It's from 2015. It is definitely a black, uh, uh, well, a dark comedy mm-hmm. um, that stars Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz and John C. Riley among Olivia Coleman as well, because as well, I'm a fan of Olivia Coleman. Um, directed by Yorgos Yathimos. Mm-hmm. It is a film where David, played by Colin Farrell, mm-hmm. is a bachelor and has to move into a hotel with other singles who are all obliged to find a romantic partner within 45 days or else be transformed into an animal. (laughs) Okay, sure. Why not? (laughs) And do do they sign up for this voluntarily? Well, I, if I remember correctly, it's something that you have to do once you, I think like once you hit like a certain age, once you hit like, if you're single at that age, you still got to, you got to go, got to go. So so it's like, now you're on a 45 day clock. They they like the, they Logan's run them. They Logan's run them. I never saw the Logan's run. Oh yeah. They Logan's right. Right. They got the little timer on, on the little wrist that glows. And it's not like that. Like Logan's run. Now it's Michael York. It's it's speculative fiction, but it definitely like there's nothing about the trappings outside of that people are turned into animals. (laughs) (laughs) Except for that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? (laughs) There's nothing else that gives it away as science fiction. Okay. Everything everything else this could just as well as be um, a movie as quirky as I Heart Huckleberries. Okay, you know what I mean. But it's 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 um. But with all that being said, it's still a very sweet story. Okay, um, and it is another movie. It, it's it's another movie along those lines of Colin Farrell, t- uh, really just leaning into how good and how malleable an actor he is. Okay. All he right. is fantastic. So is 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 does the title refer to the animal that he's in danger of being turned into? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. I think you would like it. Uh, look. I think you would <laughs> it, like it. It sounds wacky. It's wacky. All right. All right. So that's five. Number four. Number four. The Shape of Water. Oh, from 2017, definitely yeah. a romantic film, uh, an Academy Award-winning film. I still haven't seen it. Really? I know. It's Guillermo del Toro. I know, and that's my dude. Him. I know. I it's know. Dude. I know. For those who don't know about this movie, uh, that stars Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Richard. Jenkins, Michael Stahlberg, and Octavia Spencer. It's uh revolves around a top secret research facility in the 60s where a lonely janitor forms a unique relationship with an amphibious creature that is being held in captivity. It is definitely a romantic fantasy. Um, it is a movie that uh, as I mentioned, won the Academy Award for Best Picture mm-hmm. in a film that some people think maybe a little bit too slight okay. of a fair to have won the Academy Award. Oh, yeah. uh, um, me, I'm like, eh, it's I, I I like the whimsical, okay, um, and the romance of it 
despite it being another movie between a human and a creature. Yeah. Um, it's tender. Okay. And it's sweet. Very. It's sweet. It's a lovely movie. And I do like Guillermo del Toro. I do like me some Guillermo del Toro too. So that's number four. Is there any insight in the film where the creature comes from at all? At any point? There's, yes. There's some. Okay. There's all right. Some. You should see it. All right. I, I just, I would have known you'll see I it. I know. Number three. Number three. Her. Oh. Oh. Starring Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, in a film written, directed, and co-produced by Spike Jones. That's right. Uh, and it marks his his sole screenwriting debut, believe it or not. That follows uh, Joaquin Phoenix character Theodore Toombley, mm-hmm. a man who develops a relationship with Samantha, mm-hmm. an artificial intelligent virtual assistant personified through the female voice of one Scarlett Johansson. Yep. Um, a science fiction romantic drama. Joaquin Phoenix, again, another actor who mm-hmm. uh, leaves it all on the, the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing's on the cutting room floor with him. Joaquin, uh, Scarlett Johansson, an actress that I don't mind, um, but probably this is definitely a role that she's suited for. It's just her voice. Uh, so and, she, and she's good. And she speaks well. Yeah, she's good in this. And she's good. And she is good because she, she does is. get, get mm-hmm. like, you feel her. Yeah. And you understand him feeling her. Yeah. And you feel the connection between the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it is a film that I think a lot of people will come away with. I actually watched this film and came away feeling like, wow, like there were parts in this movie where I felt I was seen and yeah. and that's I certainly didn't go into it thinking that I love this movie yeah I've actually used this movie in my class really several times in, in what aspect uh depictions of near future mm-hmm. depictions of 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 anxiety like like her like like it like the thesis for for the class is how science fiction reflects current anxiety like depictions of the future reflect current anxiety so you know mm-hmm. you do something like soylent green yeah. where people were concerned about overpopulation but then like years later where it's like a bunch of other people something like children of men represent the anxiety that frankly developed countries and the white middle class have about babies mm-hmm. and her is the anxiety about us being disconnected from one another and leaning on technology oh you're spot on. Look, man. On. Look, I teach, I, and I, I I roll right from this into a couple of episodes of Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I love her. Black Mirror could just be a curriculum. Look, man. Look, we will be mentioning Black Mirror. We certainly will in this episode. I, like, I, like this whole episode is this this my jam. I, yes. But um, what was I about to say about her? Early Chris Pratt. Yes. Yeah, there's a Chris Pratt appearance in this mm-hmm. too, where you get a sense that he he can be more than just the dumb guy. Yeah. On part. Like this was the film where I said, Oh, he he can do something else. Yeah, this is a little something going on with that guy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, big fan of her. All right. Big fan of her. Number two. Number two. Number two. We're jumping in a way back machine, Vincent. Uh-oh. 
We're going way, way back. I've, I've already referenced Logan's run. Not that far. Back. Not that far back. <laughs> Michael going, York. We're going back to the 80s. Okay. And a better actor <laughs> well, than Michael York. Well, it doesn't take much to clear that bar. <laughs> 1984. Okay. Starman. Starman. Or did you see uh, Starman, Vincent? I, of course, I saw Starman. Uh, 1984 American science fiction romance uh, directed by John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. It tells the story of an alien who comes to Earth and um, takes over the the form of a cloned human body portrayed mm-hmm. by Jeff Bridges. In response to the invitation found on the gold phonograph record installed on the Voyager 2 space probe. Yeah. The film also stars Karen Allen um, in a movie that stole hearts back in 1984. People were going crazy about Starman. I actually did not see it in 84. It wasn't for uh, maybe about a year or so later that I saw it on cable television. Mm-hmm. It became like a, uh, one of those staples of cable te- television that it was always on. Yeah. Um, because this was the days before, you know, home video and things of that nature. And this was the movie. This is probably the movie that introduced me to Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yo, this dude's all right. He is he he is I and the movie is just 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 sweet. It's just a sweet sweet movie. Now, how deep you want to go into it with this? Uh oh. So you know the movie came out. Do you remember it was a television series? Yes, remember that um, after the film because it, it was, was a big hit. It was a television series after the film that followed Robert Hayes. Played Starman. Played Starman. But then Starman, the television show, quietly had more than a little bit of the DNA of, you ready? You ready? You ready? What you know about the powers of Matthew Starr? Yes, I remember the powers of Matthew Starr. Yes. With Lou Gossett Jr. Yes. (laughs) Who was a guardian to a space white boy. It was a white boy from space. This is all you really wanted to get to. <laughs> this, is, this is all you wanted to Come get on, to. Come on, man. You know. You know. You know. As soon, as soon as you said Starman. I saw you pick up your phone. I had Bill Duke in the back of my head going. You know you didn't fuck up. Because you know. My favorite thing on earth is those post-Incredible Hulk, low-budget science fiction shows that were on for like one season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody trying to do... Oh, yeah. So the powers of Matthew Starr, Starman, Manimal. Oh, shit. What was the dude's name who had the powers of, of the pyramids? Remember the dude? It was like the Phoenix? 
Was it the Phoenix? The power of the Phoenix. I don't remember. He was like the Phoenix. Like he has special powers from from the far from the far um the the far ancient world from the far east. The the far ancient world. I don't remember. This. He has psychic powers. I think he was the Phoenix. I don't remember this Phoenix. This was a show. Oh man, this was a show Vincent. Yes, maybe not a TV. Movie. Like the you remember the man from Atlantis. I remember speaking the of the shape Duffy. of water with Patrick Duffy. Yes, I remember that. And these were all the exact same show. I remember the man from Atlantis. I remember the man from Atlantis comic book. I own all what five issues. Isn't that early John Byrne? Yep, sure is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna come back. We're gonna come back. But <laughs> yes, let's bring it back. I'll bring it back. Let's well, bring you, it back. well, you said Starman. I said, oh yeah, I'm all over Starman. All right. Well, that's number two. <laughs> that's number two. But but my number one number one sci-fi romantic drama is of course Lethal Weapon Two is a film that I absolutely one hundred percent heart achingly adore. Okay. However, okay, it wrecks me so much mm. that it is it sits alongside big fish yeah yeah I know films you, yeah. that i love but that i would likely will never watch again yeah it'll or it'll be a very 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 long time yeah. and this movie's got some age on it already and it's it, it's still i still ain't ready okay and that is eternal sunshine yeah spotless mind yeah starring jim carrey mm-hmm. and kate winslet um, in a film from Charlie Kaufman mm-hmm. about a relationship that turns sour, so sour that the couple, unbeknownst to each other, undergo a medical procedure so that they can erase each other from their memories forever. Yeah, yeah. And the struggle that they have uh, with that ordeal. Um I cannot tell you, like, I have, I have never watched a film like Big Fish does it to me, Mm -hmm. but it does it to me because there's a big event at the, at the end where this guy is dealing with his father and it was right around the time that I was with my father and I just left, cried like a baby. Mm Mm-hmm. I was going through nothing. I was just looking for a Jim Carrey movie to watch. Sure, sure. And watch this film. And man, you want to talk about In the Fields. And I can't point to any one particular moment because my eyes were filled with tears almost from the beginning of that movie all the way to through the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking about, you know, remembering a love who you who you cherish and and having to not be able to have uh, hold on to that memory mm-hmm. um, or to see that person. And that person doesn't like you, you kind of recognize one another, but you're not quite sure. Oh my God. That movie just wrecks the fuck out of me, man. I good love movie. Movie. I, I love it's good it. movie. Good movies during that moment where Jim Carrey was doing a lot of interesting stuff. A lot of interesting yeah. stuff, man. Um, and he was, you know, wielding that power. Mm, I was about wielding, to like, say. Box yeah. office king. Yeah. In 2004. Um, but yeah, that, that there's there's not there's there's not many movies that I like more than that film. Yeah, it's a good one. I haven't watched it in a while, actually. <laughs> to circle back to it. 
Well, you good list. You. This is a good list. Well, thank you. It's a good sci-fi list. It's a shame it's nothing on here we can't do on the show. Yeah, yeah. That that is uh, that is true. I was actually thinking about that. Um, going to the to the chat and checking out what people are saying. Sharon Eldridge was saying that Starman had better be on this list. Well, you're right. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. It was actually on this list. Yeah, actually, absolutely correct. Correct. Um, she's pointing out that Jeff Bridges was. Uh, Sharon also points out that Jeff Bridges was in um, Tron. And, yes, he was. And I was a fan, you know, because everybody when you're a kid was was a fan of Tron. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really, I didn't know. It's like he, sure, it, there was a white guy starring in Tron. Sure, like, sure. I didn't know which, which then it, it's it's so amazing. Like he becomes Jeff Bridges. And then when they circle around and make Tron legacy, mm-hmm. now he's Jeff Bridges. Right. Yeah. Right. How about that? Uh, Aaron Fry points out that Angela Bassett and Viola Davis both played Amanda Waller in two different D- DC movies. Angela in Green Lantern and Viola Davis in Suicide Squad and several other DC films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my opinion, Viola was far superior in DC's opinion as well. I was about to say that seems to be the consensus. As they're going to be developing a series for yeah, her yeah. Um, in, in that role. So there you go. And I didn't feel... I mean, Green, Green Lantern, the Green Lantern film was, you know. I've never actually finished it. And, and Angela Bassett and Ryan Reynolds <laughs> right. are both mad that they right. did. Like I did 20 minutes and I and I said, I don't have to do this. Uh, Robert Monroe Jr. asked, was Electric Dreams on this list? It was not on this list. It didn't make the list. Um, That's I, a good one. I think I've seen it. It's been a while. So I really just remember the Boy George song. I don't even remember. Boy George has a beautiful song. I know it's super random, but it's like this beautiful song on the soundtrack. Mm. I think it's called Love is Love. Uh, Your brother Damon says that Starman was indeed a cable (laughs) staple. It used to come on before Lady Hawk, but after Silver Bullet. (laughs) You can tell me and my brother, we're watching the same cable. (laughs) See, I remember Lady Hawk was Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet, wait, or or did he mean Silver Streak? Right, because Silver Streak is what I'm thinking about with Richard Pryor. I have to be honest, I stopped reading after Lady Hawk. (laughs) (laughs) You know I love some Lady Hawk. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, Weren't you a fan of Willow? You know what? I was not a fan of Willow. Mm. No, okay. So you didn't watch the... Um... I, I did not watch the series. I I don't know if I've ever finished the movie. Like, I know that's not true. I know I saw the movie. I have no real memory of Willow at all. Okay, I was wrong, Damon, before you hit me up. Silver Bullet was a film, Vincent. It was not indeed. It was not Silver Streak that he's talking about. Is it about werewolves? So, yes. It's got to be about werewolves. So let's see whether or not this r- brings your memory because it's, okay. it's from 1985. That, that's, that's the sweet spot. When a series of unexplained murders occurs in the normally quiet town of Tarker's Mill, the residents decide to hunt down the killer. However, many of these vigilantes end up dead and Uh-oh. those who don't are no closer to finding an assailant. But when a young wheelchair-using boy named Marty, played by Corey Heim, encounters a werewolf one night, the pieces begin to come together. Along with his sister and his uncle Red, played by Gary Busey, 
Marty begins oh, a mission. I do remember to capture this. Capture the werewolf. Yes. Once and for all. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> not one of not my go-to for <laughs> 80s werewolf movies. Well. Um it, it, not according to Damon. Yes, well, look, look. I'm an American werewolf in London guy, and if the sun is up, wolfing. Because I thought wolfing was actually scary. Oh, I remember wolfing. Yeah, yeah, I thought wolfing was scary. Like, wolfing was was a bit much. Really? Yeah. Okay. From when I was like 14, 13, 14, I was like, oh, it was a bit much. <laughs> um. All right, so there All you right, go. there you go. Good list. Now I want to watch Starman. <laughs> That's the key. Like, you'd be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of love touch and a sense of sound. Vincent will attempt to get to Dervell Martin and connect him to an actor of my choice. A science fiction lover himself. He was. He was. Mm -hmm. But, for some reason, I couldn't come up with connective tissue for these actors, so I just picked two random names. Two random names. Two random names. Okay. For you to uh, select. All right. So, Vincent, in six movies or less. Six movies or less. Random name one or random name two. Get from Derville Martin. Derville Martin. To Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now make sure you got the right person in mind, Vincent. I'm pretty sure I do. I'll have to ask you this, though. Mm -hmm. Is that her in Mean Girls? Is Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls? Survey says yes. Okay. Well, there you go. In that case, <sighs> Dervo Martin mm-hmm. is in I just had it and then I lost it immediately. Durville Martin is in because how am I going to get to this if I get to Rachel McAdams the bad thing is I know Rachel McAdams has been in like at least three things that I know but I don't I forget that she's the one that's in it So if I'm trying to use Mean Girls, who do I know? Okay, here you go. Derville Martin is in the final come down with Billy D. Williams. Mm-hmm. Billy D. Williams is in the Ladies Man with Tim Meadows. Okay. Tim Meadows is in Mean Girls with Rachel McAdams. Very good, Vincent. All right. Well done. Well done, Vincent. You are a man of many skills, my friend. What has Rachel Adams been in that I would have known immediately, though? Uh, besides Mean Girl? Yeah, because I just see her face going, it's not going to happen. You keep trying to make it happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, She was in... Like, what's her big deal? Mm, let's see. Well, she's in Doctor Strange in a Multiverse of Madness. Oh, well, there you go. All right, so the, the Marvel monk. 
plays his love interest. Right, right, right. She was in the movie Spotlight. Okay, I didn't see that. Oh, excellent movie. All right. Um, she was in the uh, second Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie, A Game of Shadows. Okay. Oh, she, she was in the first one, too. Okay. Oh, yeah, she sure was. Because she plays, what's her name? Irene Adler. Yeah, she plays Irene Adler. Yeah. Um, those are like the films that those are I'm the big ones that I think that you would okay, all right, all right. From. But I mean, but hey, besides Mean Girls, Mean Girls worked. Mean Girls definitely big all right. Ones, so very good. All right, all right, Vince, well done. All right, next up, next on the docket, Rando number two. Rando number two. Spin the wheel. Get from Derville Martin. Derville Martin two two. Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. How do I want to get to old Mickey Rourke? Because Mickey Rourke. All right, well, what's my favorite Mickey Rourke? That's a start there. What do I like? I like Mickey Rourke, Rourke in the rest. Oh, yeah. I mean, hell, Mickey Rourke. This is boring, but I'm going to do it real quick. Mm-hmm. Deborah Martin, Dick Anthony Williams, Samuel Jackson, Iron Man 1 with Robert Downey Jr., who's in, I think, Iron Man 2 with Mickey Rourke. Mm, that would be correct. Yeah, he plays Whiplash. And, and, but that's boring. Mickey Rourke is, uh, what's, what's my big Mickey Rourke movie? Um, it depends. You want? I want young, actor. Yeah, young actor Mickey Rourke that I would have. Okay, well, um, of course, there's nine and a half weeks. All right, not a huge fan of that. The Pope of Greenwich Village. Yeah, who's in the Pope of Greenwich Village with him? Um, that would be him and uh, Eric Roberts. Okay, as well as Daryl Hannah. Okay. Um, you've also got Angel Heart. Right. That's your movie. Hey, a surprisingly good movie, which, you know, you get to him through De Niro. And um, Lisa Bonet, if you want. The movie that makes his, um, probably made his name, was Diner. He sure was in Diner. I always forget he's in Diner. Because he's kind of grubby. In Diner? No, no, no. Mickey Rourke. Yeah, so you forget that he was right, clean. Right, exactly. Right, right, right. Forget he was a lady <laughs> right, man. Right. When you said he was in uh, which, uh the the Pope of Greenwich Village with Eric Roberts, I said, oh yeah, that tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. you know, is that like Judge Reinhold in Diner? No, I don't think it's not Judge, Judge Reinhold. It's not Je- but it's like a dude who looks like Judge Reinhold. It's uh, what's his name? Paul, um, the comedian guy who will go do do mad about you. Not Schaefer. Not Paul Schaefer. Paul, um... Um, I'll tell you, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. It's Mickey Rourke, Paul Reiser, Steve Gutenberg, Daniel Stern. Right. um, I'm thinking about Daniel Stern. Timothy Daly, Tim Daly, and Kevin Bacon. I wish I had thought about Paul Reiser, because then I could have taken a stroll through the Aliens universe. I've forgotten all right, you're, you're already uh, you, you know I visited Matthew Starr. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But, but you know, get the Yafik Koto and Alien and okay. then Aliens right. and Paul Reiser. Yeah, okay. all right, okay. okay, all right, all right. Well, there you go. All right, there you go. 
how you, how you pick these two randomly? You really did just pull some names out of hat. Well, actually, I looked like I was um, stuck on Starman from 84. So then I looked at movies <laughs> for 84. And then I thought, like, oh, it worked. He was hot in 84. Right, right. And then and Rachel McAdams is like, I need a woman. You just... <laughs> I need a woman. Someone get Rachel McAdams people on the phone. <laughs> nice. And I try to think of people that was, you know, I wouldn't think would be um, easy. Right. I actually forgot that Rachel McAdams was in the Doctor Strange movies because right. almost everybody I was coming up with. <laughs> so did I. I was like, Everyone I was coming up with, like that, you can connect them to a to Marvel me. movie, right? And 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 somehow you miss Mickey Rourke. I guess I miss Mickey Rourke. Yes, yeah, but that's because by then he was like He's real, not quite Mickey. Right, Rourke. He, right. He didn't turn into this Mickey Rourke. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's Mickey Rourke, and then there's ah. <laughs> right, exactly. What was that? The uh, the wrestler. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Yes, I did. It's good stuff. It's very good. Yeah, I was trying to connect him to the wrestler, but then I was like, why do I have him looking like the wrestler doing actions? Oh, right. He was in Iron Man. Right. Yeah. Right. And guess who else is in the wrestler who then also is in a Marvel movie? Who? Um, What's her name? Uh, um, um, my cousin Vinny. Oh, Marissa Tomei Marissa sure Tomei. is. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. All right. Let's get into our review of Swan Song. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Are you going to fall in love with a new little person again? (laughs) Just breathe. I'm going to count you down from three. And on three, and two, and one. Breathe. I can't lie to my family anymore. The second you tell your wife that you are dying, your opportunity to do this is gone. You want to go say hi? Even the memories you store deep in your subconscious. Do this with us and let life go on for your family. A clean swap. What's going on, Cam? Can't figure out what the right thing is here. (laughs) Thought I had more time, I guess. You have an opportunity here. I'm not done. I didn't say he could. You're go- dying. I feel like I've fallen in love with her for the first time again. 
this. You think I like this? Being told I'm not me because you're not me. You are not me! Swan Song, a 2021 science fiction romantic drama written and directed by Benjamin Cleary and starring, Mah- uh, starring Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, Aquafina, and Glenn Close. When a loving husband and father, Cameron Turner, is diagnosed with a terminal illness, he is presented with the option of sparing his family grief by having him replaced, having himself replaced with a clone. In Vincent's selection for tonight's stop on the Michelle mission. Vincent, what say you of Swan Song? Well, as we've been talking around this entire episode, this is a film just on a programming note that I really went back and forth between whether or not I wanted to talk about it this month or in April. Right. Which is our Octavia April when we do science fiction and Afrofuturism films. Because this is a film that really is my favorite kind of science fiction film. Mm. You know, it's very thoughtful. It's very thought-provoking. And it is a film that is in the tradition of of maybe my single favorite science fiction creator, which would be Philip K. Dick, and and it it deals with two themes that that Dick deals with in a lot of his work. A. What happens when technology advances faster than our ethical and moral language does, mm-hmm. to the point where where again we don't we have to figure out how to fit our own ethics and morality into it and b what is identity what makes you a per what makes you you yes and how does technological advance affect that mm-hmm. and this is a film that 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 very much that is at the center of the plot as you said this is a man who has a terminal disease. He is going to die, but he has the option to replace himself so fully that his clone self won't realize that it's a clone Mm -hmm. so that life will continue and no one will know what has happened except this person. Which ultimately is why I landed on talking about it in this month. Because I think this is a wonderful love story. Mm-hmm. Not only is it a wonderful love story, but I think it is the type of love story that, frankly, you don't see that often on screen. I don't think we see a lot of pure 
black love stories, whether we're talking about black men and black women, black men with black men, black women with black women, just black people loving each other. And certainly love stories where black men go above and beyond for a black woman. Mm -hmm. I have argued and continue to argue there are not as many as you would think. We, we, we've talked over the years, whether we are talking about the ones that, that we all champion mahogany and, and, and Brian and mahogany, who I think is not the best dude. Um, don't get me started on loving basketball. Mm-hmm. Even my beloved love Jones, mm-hmm. our beloved love Jones. I think the two of them are on real shaky ground mm-hmm. by the end. So this story of this black man who is going to sacrifice literally everything, including himself for his wife and his family. I just think it's, it's a, I, I think it's, it's a beautiful story. Just the story itself. Mm-hmm. You go to the execution. I think this is, 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 a, is, is, is an incredible production. As you said, this oh was boy, yes. written and directed by Benjamin Cleary. Benjamin Cleary, who before this film does not have, and even to this date, does not have an extensive filmography. No, mostly shorts. His direction is assured. His direction is intentional. His storytelling is, is amazing. The framing of shots, everything that we talk about on a technical level. I think this script is a triumph of delivering information. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a pretty high concept film, A. I think it gets the concept across wonderfully as far as the mechanics of, of being a clone. I think for a film like this, you really have to buy in. Like this is a film that is asking a great buy-in. And the buy-in is, would you believe that this character would sacrifice himself for this life, mm-hmm. which means that you have to show a life that's worth this sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I think from scene to scene, from the very beginning, the first scene, which I think very smartly shows the two characters meeting yes. Poppy and Cameron through the, the, the very smart use of flashback you see that this is a couple and more importantly, this is a life Mm -hmm. that is worth preserving. The script, the story, the direction means nothing without the acting And every character in here who is a main character, I think does a tremendous job. I think Aquafina, I have to say, I'm not familiar with her work that much you know i've always hear her name you know you know i know she was in crazy rich asians which i haven't seen no she was a comedian whatever she was in shang chi shang chi and she's good you know she's good in shang chi you know you know it's a marvel movie so you know she's fine in shang chi i saw her in this before shang chi which quite honestly is probably why i was underwhelmed by shang chi okay because she's so good in here she plays a character who has gone through the process. Yes. And because of the nature 
of the the, the film, she plays two characters. Mm-hmm. You see her replacement, who is effervescent, bubbly, smart-assed. She's a mom. She's happy. So, yeah, she, she's going through the process, and and, and, and it has been replaced with yes. a clone. And you see the clone, and you see who she is as a platonic ideal. Mm-hmm. But then she also plays a character who is dying. Yes. And it is a wonderful connection where you see she has the same humor. She has the same wit. She has the same personality, but it is a personality of someone who knows that they are dying. And again, has made the ultimate sacrifice Mm -hmm. where I will not be mourned. No one will know that I have died. Yeah. Glenn Close, I have to say, I'm going to say this. I think this is a film that it's best if you go in cold. So if you've not watched this film, watch this film and then come back and listen. We'll be here. Okay. I think it's important to say that at this point with Glenn Close, because I think the brilliance of Glenn Close's character is that she is an actress at this point in in her career where she has such a presence Mm-hmm. that if you are a fan of science fiction, you're expecting a twist. You're expecting a complication. Yeah. You're expecting, you, you know, frankly, something to, to go wrong. You're, waiting for, the other shoe you're, to you're waiting for the shoe to drop. And there is a wonderful sense of foreboding that Glenn Close has mm-hmm. throughout the film just by being Glenn Close. Yes. That is so wonderful so that when the film ends, and everything goes exactly the way it's supposed to go, you realize that one of the great narrative tricks that the film has played is casting Glenn Close mm-hmm. in this role. Glenn Close is great. And her role is? And her role as the, the lead scientist slash doctor right. of this program to replace the um replace the dying person with the clone. Naomi Harris, I'm I'm a late comer to Naomi Harris. Um, frankly, Naomi Harris got on my radar after Moonlight. Oh, I know she had okay. been acting way before then, mm-hmm. but but and, and we've all watched. You can watch it happen or listen to it in real time with this show. After Moonlight, Naomi Harris is um um is 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 one of my favorite actresses. I love Naomi Harris and the past couple of years between this and, and, and another television, another science fiction production that I have great affection for the uh, television series. Speaking of Starman's the man who fell to earth. I'm saying speaking of Starman because the man who fell to earth, the film starred David Bowie. And then David Bowie of course has a song called Starman, which the movie references. Naomi Harris is fantastic in this role, which as the person who's the tip of the spear, frankly, of what the great buy-in is. As Poppy, she embodies a woman that you believe a man mm-hmm. would make this sacrifice for. Mm-hmm. She is smart. She is funny. She is beautiful. She is sexy. She is 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 a mother. You know, there are moments where you see her as a mother. 
because of the plot of the film, you see her go through a crisis mm-hmm. and she is fantastic. Yeah. So that again, everything about Naomi Harris's performance is, is, is magnificent. And frankly, I think she would have had the real standout performance if this whole film did not stand on the shoulders of Mahershala Ali. There you go. He is magnificent in this film as this man who is dying mm-hmm. and is and is and has decided to make this ultimate sacrifice. And much like Aquafina, he plays two characters. He plays him, he plays Cameron, the man who's dying. Mm-hmm. But then you also get a great amount of screen time with the clone, Jack, who they play, he plays them as these two different characters. And it is subtle, but you can absolutely tell which character is which, which character has only been alive fairly recently, Mm -hmm. which character is dying and is thinking about this sacrifice. And besides this great love story that's at the center of this film, you then get this story of brotherhood mm-hmm. where, where you know, who's, who's a better brother than yourself? Right, right. So the performances are top notch. Um, I, I do want to call out the cinematography. Oh, my God. Mashan, Masanabu Takayin, Takayinagi. This is a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. This is a gorgeous film filmed in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And it really utilizes the natural splendor of the green space. Again, this is a film that because it's I think a lot of times when you have these high concept films, they can feel cold. Mm -hmm. But there is a warmth that permeates the force. There is a warmth that permeates the house that this family lives in so that top to bottom left to right. I I am, I I, I do people have heard me talk about this film since it came out. I'm so happy that we get to talk about it here on this show, because I think it's a film because it came out on Apple because it came out in the midst of the pandemic. I think I lost a little bit. And I think it's a shame because I think this, this is a great film. Yeah. Yeah, this is amazing, amazing, thoughtful, um, meditative um, piece of work here. You, I mean, you touched on everything. This movie, this movie. Shout out to the cinematographers. Shout out to all of the designers, the art design, mm. the sound design, the set design. Um, like it's and 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 the world building. Mm-hmm. Um, the which is where the science fiction aspect of this movie uh, lands because it is kind of like set in the near future with um, self-driving cars, um, you know, uh, um, uh, tablets that just appear out of thin air, you know, all in a very sleek, minimalistic style that is just gorgeous on on screen. Um, like every like this is a beautiful beautiful movie um 
And you need that to really showcase the tenderness and love that is being put on the screen. Um, because they're going to take your time. Everything else is minimal so that you are not distracted mm. so that you can live right in this relationship. There's not a whole lot of moving parts to this movie. We pretty much have touched on pretty much almost every one of the speaking roles in this film, except for two other people who work with uh, Glenn Close mm-hmm. um, in her facility. And neither of them have, they maybe have two, three lines a piece, mm-hmm. you know, um, but you, everything is there so that you focus on this man, Cameron Turner, played by Mahershala Ali, him and this situation that he is in, which is insane, that you know that you are dying. So you are going to have yourself cloned so that essentially you can continue on because in this near future, not only is he clone, but it, his entire memory is almost down to a cellular level is transported into this clone. So mm-hmm. this clone has, has, is an exact copy of him in almost every way that it can be. Um, and, and when the process is complete, the clone doesn't know it's a clone. Right. The, the clone is then wiped free of any idea that it's a clone. And as far as the clone knows, he is Cameron Turner mm-hmm. moving on. The, the the crazy part about this movie, and the one I kept wrapping my head around, is like, yeah, but Cameron Turner now has to live in this facility for the rest of his life. Right. Until he passes. Right. And so... You're not, you're still going to have to go through that. Mm -hmm. And you're going through that without your rights, your loved ones, without your family. That is an incredible, that is an incredible, like, thing to process that he's going through. And the movie shows him dealing with this and like you said in him dealing with it and in the clone dealing with it as well because there is an 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 inciting moment that happens in the film where things slightly go askew um and you're feeling if you're watching this okay we were waiting for the mirror to crack Mm -hmm. you were waiting for something here it is all right buckle up and things happen, but without losing the intelligence of this film, mm-hmm. everything still stays stays spot on. And even though it's not what you've been trained through years and exactly. years of movie watching, um, it's not what you expect. It still is 100% true. It is still is 100% percent authentic it is every bit as mature a story as this film is putting forth to you and 
it all comes down to love. This man's love for it for his family. His clone's desire to exist. And the two of them reconciling right. that with one another. Mm-hmm. Which is which then leads to a moment of brotherhood, like you spoke of. And they could not have chosen a better actor to put this on screen than uh, Ali. We talked about we talked about earlier in the first half of the show about actors who are chameleons. Mm-hmm. Think about the roles that this guy has played. I know already on on screen from Moonlight to even the Green Book. Yeah, um, he's going to be playing Blade. Yeah. And when when he was cast as Blade, you were like, oh, I see that. Yeah. But then you watch him in this in Swan Song, and you know what? I see that. Yeah. I mean, this dude, this dude is a monster mm-hmm. on screen. He is a monster on screen, man. And and it, even with that, the bond that he creates with Poppy played by Naomi Harris in this movie, the bond that the two of them create, because Naomi Harris is every bit as much a beast on screen Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Because the two of them make it just look so effortless. And the bond, the family that they present on that screen is real the love that they exude to one another is real the the um the comfort that they provide to each other in moments of 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 uh tragedy and longing and heartache and despair is real on this screen um the the family that they have created with their son um, is is beautiful. I myself couldn't help but be touched by the um, in very quick snippets the relationship that we are introduced to of Poppy with her twin brother, yeah, Andre, um, and how that all plays out. And God, the, man, this is another movie that I'm if I may not be watching this movie again because it, it hits me. <laughs> Man, oh, oh God, you know, mm. like this, this is just an amazing, amazing film. And I was reading reviews of it and some people were talking about how it is a very, it's, it's a slow movie. Mm-hmm. Um, some people were thinking, I saw complaints that, you know, not a lot happens in this movie. So much happens in this movie, ladies and gentlemen, a great deal happens in this movie. Life is happening. Yeah. It, this movie asks questions and then it takes its time to um, to contemplate what the what the answer would be, because these are not questions that you're just going to have snap snap decisions. Yeah. And yeah. it's just it's just an amazing work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's it's the, the thoughtfulness of it. I, I know some. Some of the critique that I've heard 
and and frankly, some of the critique that I've heard in my house. Oh, really? Oh, about how he makes this decision, this sort of unilateral decision. That's true, because he's making a decision and takes it out of his wife's hand. But and and they address it in the film. They do. They actually address it, like whether you tell her you're dying or not, you're making a decision about her life. Mm-hmm. But that level of sacrifice, I think, is one that I think a lot of people would make. You, you know, a lot of people. If you could, if 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 you could spare your family. Mm-hmm. going through this i think it is a decision that a lot of people would make but it is also a decision that a lot of people would would have a level of resentment that you made does it like you said it's not I mean, if they were if they out right right you made, right yeah. it is not an easy question and and to what you were saying about the the minimalism of the design which i thought is 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 a really good observation. So, hey, just sidebar, I also love the design work. I love the world that they've created. And, and as a fan of science fiction, I always say creating the near future is actually the hardest thing of all mm-hmm. when you talk about these worlds. Like, this is 30 years from now. Yeah. Like, the, the thought experiment that I always do, if you took a snapshot of this room and showed it to someone in 1993 how much in this room that we take for granted in 1993 looked like science fiction right but you know we're not in here in, in like you know tan jumpsuits and and, and like we're just kind of in a room and it's you recognize most of the stuff mm-hmm. but there's just enough that someone would say what is where's that mm-hmm mm-hmm so I love that aspect of it. And then the part that that I really love, speaking of, of the intelligence of this film, is the fact that there, there's there's a snag. Like you said, there's a moment of of tension between between the two Camerons. But it's just a moment of tension. Mm-hmm. Because you know what happens if you make an exact duplicate of a good man? You have two good men. That's right. The very first thing that Jack says when he comes into consciousness is he asks about Cameron. Yep. Is he okay? Yep. Because these this is a good man. So when there is a snag, it's smoothed out very quickly because these are good men mm-hmm. who love their family and they know that I'm going to do what's best for my family first, but I'm also going to look out for my brother. Right. And you have these wonderful moments where the film, just because you got to have, you you know, you got to have some tension. You got to have some, where where the film spends maybe 10 minutes going, oh, well, maybe he's an evil clone. Like, like, like one of the film, one of the moments in the film that I did kind of roll my eyes at at some point, because, Cameron has an attack and, and and Jack has to replace him early. One of one of the um one of the scientists actually says the very science fiction line. I can't I haven't finished evaluating his psychological profile. And he like, okay. Okay. Okay, we we gotta drop this here because now you gotta wonder, is he gonna 
you know, go get crazy. Exactly. But he's not, and he doesn't need to. No. And as someone who has watched this film more than once, knowing everything that's going to happen, knowing that this there's so much beauty in watching this man make this decision Mm -hmm. and then watching these men make these decisions. And, and, and again, as somebody who has been underwhelmed by black loves it, you ever, you know, the running joke with me, like, like I think Django Unchained is one of the great black love stories of all time. When we're talking about a black man Mm -hmm. doing something above and beyond for a black woman. Mm -hmm. This, this sits, this sits in my heart. So since it came out, because this is someone who like Django makes these ultimate sacrifices and does this not only is this a man these are men mm-hmm. who do this yeah. so that yeah it's 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 an extraordinary film it it, it really is like 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 you you know you, you don't want to speak in hyperbole and say this is is the best Mahershala Ali performance I've ever seen but it's it's right there it's up there it's right there it is definitely up there um we talked about how 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 reminiscent this is of the best of specula- uh, speculative fiction, mm-hmm. which the best ones ask these type of questions. Absolutely, ask you to t- type of reconcile with these type of questions, um, which also you could can't help but watch this, especially especially with the the topic the subject the way it plays out the meditative storytelling and the minimal minimal set uh set design you can't not watch this and think of your beloved black mirror absolutely you know absolutely like, it, this almost needs to be like black mirror colon swan i was song. just about to say if this film was called black mirror present swan song i'd have been right there yeah and and you 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 absolutely took the words out of my mouth again. I love I love this examination again of the role technology is playing mm-hmm. in how we live. It's actually very similar to my second favorite Black Mirror episode, Be Right Back. That's right. Which has a similar, yeah. you, you know, it's like, you, you know, you die and they can make basically a robot version mm-hmm. of, of your loved one. But I think so much of how we mourn. It's so funny. We were talking earlier about my, my wife and I were talking earlier about the old um, tradition of having the body in the parlor when someone dies and you know and the body stays you know they keep the body up but the way we mourn has changed so much even in our lifetimes mm-hmm. you know where where you will never forget like i will never forget what my parents look like i will never forget what my parents sound like because between video footage and voicemails mm-hmm. and everything, I mean, hell, if you listen to this show long enough, if you've listened long enough, people knew the running joke with my dad. Like my dad would call it, visit, it's your father. Which was hilarious because who the hell else would it be? 
but I have those voicemails. Mm. You know, I have my mother's voicemail. You have all of this stuff. Talk all the time. People used to fight over pictures. You don't have to fight over pictures anymore. Yeah. Everybody can make copies of. So these are just small ways technology has changed the way we mourn. I'm I'm 100% plagiarizing my lecture now, by the way. <laughs> so that something like this film is kind of, you, you know, frankly, closer to where we're going than not, I think. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do, too. Yeah. I, I do have to say one little plot hole that I was thinking about. At, at one point, um, Glenn Close's character says, in a few years, this process will be commonplace. Mm. And I was just thinking, well, what are the logistics of that? Because for this to work, nobody can know it. Mm-hmm. So is it just going to be like a secret process that like you only tell people when they're dying? Like once there's a 2020 expose of this process, everybody's going to look at their loved ones kind of weird that kind of vanish for a week. Yeah, but um you can definitely make it work, right? You know, go away for a job or whatever like that. Like the the procedure will become commonplace, but you can still couch it, and you could. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you figure out, but I did think about that. It was like, yeah, it's like people people always, oh, I had to go on a business trip for a week, and then like five years from now, there's a 2020 expose on something going on in the woods of Vancouver where they're replacing people. Well, I, th- I think it's uh, it's actually British Columbia. I'm sorry, British Columbia, where they're replacing people. And then you like look at your cousin like, when you went on that business trip <laughs> three years ago for a week, what really happened? And then the insidious part, and, it's, and now this is straight Philip K. Dick. Mm-hmm. The cousin doesn't know if that's true or not. Because wow. remember, your memory got wiped. That's true. That's true. Now you're in total recall. Farrell Blackwell in the chat says that you hit a nerve with the family pictures. I've been trying to convince my family to start adding all the pictures to a shared Google drive. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. Oh yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's oh, yeah. a very good idea. Oh yeah. Okay, put that out to my, uh, to my family. Mm-hmm. To do that. That's smart. So would you recommend Vincent that people watch Swan Song? I would wholeheartedly res- recommend this film. I, I think this is, one of the best science fiction films mm-hmm. of the 21st century. One of the best. I go there. I think it is one of the best black love stories ever on film. Yes. Yes. I think the performances are amazing. Mm-hmm. I think as, as you've pointed out, every single solitary aspect of the technical parts of this film, the direction, the cinematography, the music, mm-hmm. the music cues are, are so wonderful, are, are spot on. The acting is superb. Everything about this film. Yeah. I would wholeheartedly recommend this. Yeah, I would too. I would definitely uh, recommend that you see Swan Song, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's a, uh, Phenomenal piece of work um, that uh, it's just waiting for you. It's waiting for you to discover. And um, lo and behold, it's waiting. It's it's available for you um, right on 
Apple Plus. I know that mm-hmm. Vincent, Vincent does not like free plugs, but uh, uh, for this, uh, I'll yeah, yeah. I didn't think you were mine. Yeah, for this, I thought you would you were you were co-signed with that Vincent. So there you go. So swan song, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm looking here in the chat. There was an interesting um, note that I I saw come up from Farrell Blackwell here. Here it is. That happened during our um, trailer talk segment. We were talking about nine and a half weeks. And he was saying that conversation got him to thinking, what are some of the most iconic black love scenes from motion pictures? I'm not going to get into this now, but I think that's a good, <laughs> no, but I think that's a good fodder for a binge lounge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God for the left nipple. Okay. Thank God for the right nipple. That won't make my list. That won't make your list. That, will not that won't make, make my list. That's, that's not. But you knew exactly what I was talking about. Well, Isn't I, that the definition of iconic? Well, I said thank God for the left nipple. Thank God for the right nipple, and everybody knew exactly what I was talking about. Okay, it's an iconic image, but isn't a iconic black love image? Well, maybe not about love. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I think that that is fodder for a binge lounge. We'll yeah. try and see if we can't make that happen this month. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. All right. Um, but before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week here on the Michelle Mission, I invite you all to check out the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made, go to MichelleMission.com where you can hit swag and check out all the cool designs and gifts that we have available for you by way of our good friends at T Public. You can also leave us a voicemail at 215-867-9666 and tell Vincent and Len what is on your mind, or simply email us at michellemission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Like Mission on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Michelle Mission. Subscribe on YouTube to Michelle Mission, as well as on your podcast catcher of choice, where you can leave us a five-star rating and a review because that helps people find our show, which is a proud member of thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. All right. Next week on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, hey, guess what? We got another choice by, from Vincent coming up next week. Oh, do we? Yes, we do. All right. Yes, we do. All right. It's from 2016. Everything is coming up, Vince. Another quirky film. It's Vince O'Clock. And this is Gene of the Joneses. Gene of the Joneses. A film that I was not aware of before Vincent told me we were watching it. I am very much looking forward to what you think about Gene of the Joneses. Have you seen this movie before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this is where I discovered, um, I think Taylor Page is her name. Taylor Page. Yeah, this is where I discovered Taylor. Like everyone else discovered her in what, Zora? Mm-hmm. Isn't she in Zora? I was like, oh, there ain't nobody ever tell a page. Ain't nobody ever tell a page. I've been knowing tell a page was good. All right. Well, she real good. Uh, Gene of the Joneses. Gene of the Joneses. This week on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so we'll be spending Valentine's Day with Gene. With Gene, of the, Gene, Gene and the Joneses. I know it's Gene of the Joneses, but the Joneses will also be there. So we're going to spend it with Gene. And the Joneses. Oh, is it Gene and the Joneses? No, it's Gene of the Joneses. Okay, but awesome. yeah. All right. Still want to get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> people are talking right 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 all right until next week he's vincent i'm len and in parting we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again <laughs> <laughs>